Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Listening to yeah, that's probably an ad. The show that takes a look at film, technology, pop culture, uh, fraudsters on their redemption arc. Because in the end, everything is an ad. Hello, I'm Shannon Miller, the managing editor of Creativity, Creator Economy, and DEI. Welcome back to um, an, a brand new episode of yeah, that's probably an ad. The first for 2023. This is a little b- bit uh, late, but. Happy New Year to you listening at home. We have a very exciting episode today. Joining me are two big fan favorites. And for me, they are medium favorites. Just kidding. Just kidding. I love them very much. (laughs) Colin Daniels, one of our digital editors. Hello. Hello, guys. I'm so glad you guys let me come back. You know, I got to give my fans what they want. (laughs) We can't. We can't start the year this way. We're going to very much have to tone it down. And one of our best, best reporters, you know her, you love her, Emmy Lederman. Emmy, hi. Um, well, I really thought you were going to keep this, like, humility arc for me when you were just like, you're a medium favorite. But <laughs> that introduction really just brought me back up. So, hello. <laughs> so happy to be here. I am so glad that both of you could join me uh, in our first episode of the new year. And, my God, we are starting with one hell of a topic. I, I feel I... I, I humbly feel that in terms of um, industry coverage, you find the best and most in-depth at Adweek. However, th- this article that Emmy wrote really took the cake and just started the year off on a banger of a note. And I'm so excited to be able to dig into this with you on the air. Um, the title is, These Agencies Are Welcome Fire- Firefest Fraudster Bill McFarland Home from prison. God. <laughs> Welcome back, babe. Let's work together. This is, I, I mean, I don't even know how to describe this story. It's just utterly mind boggling. And for you to be the one to dig into it, I mean, it was just a perfect combination of so many things, information. Candid, candid observations, snark. A a lot of confounding details. There's just a lot to parse through here. Can you give us a summation of what's happening here? Um, So I'm not exactly sure when you say what's happening here. I don't even really know where to start. But I will (laughs) tell you that um, 
I was approached by someone who, well, his name's Alejandro. He runs Unconfined, which is one of the agencies that Billy is working with. Um, and he, I hadn't even known at the time that he was released from prison. It was a little bit before like the New York Times feature came out and just, it was widely known that he was on the streets again. And, um, he, he told me that about the partnership. He was very excited about the partnership, excited to be a part of his redemption tour. Um, so then I ended up reaching out to Billy's publicist who sort of specializes in um, crisis management. And I feel like crisis is sort of a generous way to put it in this circumstance. And um, he connected me with Billy. I met up with him. It took me about 10 minutes to get to the coffee shop where he was, which is was just a little bit um, not very comfort- comfortable for me. And, um, yeah, so it was quite a wild ride. So basically he is trying to, I mean, it's really hard to summarize exactly what he's trying to do because it's not even like this is a person who's like made like a small mistake and is like trying to right a wrong Something that's like smaller, that's a little bit um, more to sort of levy out. This this was a huge, huge thing, um, Firefest, and it's like one of those things where you say Firefest, and it has such a cultural um, a stamp that you don't even need to go into further details. But in case you forgot, <laughs> Firefest was this huge, huge event that was um, going to be thrown on the. Was it, which island was it? Uh, was it the Bahamas? The Bahamas. Yeah. So was it the Bahamas? Yeah. So this was supposed to be this very glossy event. It was supposed to be like, I the best way to put it is like Coachella on like steroids, and like, all the celebs were posting about it, like Gigi, Kendall. Yeah, and they were going to be like hogs, like free ranging <laughs> hogs. <with> these, <laughs> these, these amazing amenities, only to find out that um, contractually everything fell through. You basically left hundreds of very frazzled influencers uh, um, stranded, very much stranded on the side. But n- worst of all, you like essentially devastated the this community that used up all their resources to make this festival a thing from building these elaborate sets to providing food to opening up their businesses housing and left them financially stranded this is this had such a huge huge cultural impact so one for him to be free so soon after that's one topic and then now he is on this ridiculous redemption arc. Colin, what did you um, first think when you first heard this story? Like, I remember when Emmy first brought it up, I was like, yo, he's out? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I was expecting, I don't know, for him to be there so much longer because we're talking about, like you said, so many influencers, so many many finances. Like, this wasn't just like a, oh, I robbed the Toys R Us and threw Jeffrey down the flight of stairs. Like, (laughs) you pulled together so much money and resources and so just for him to be out, he said, so quickly and, like, it's like, a, oh, yeah, like, I, oops, here we go. Let's try to fix it. Like, let me get some agencies to help me rewrite my wrongs. It's like, sir, like, have you properly processed what you did and how it impacted so many people on a large scale? Like, this wasn't just 
a small crime. Right. And it wasn't ever properly righted. Like it really came down to the public having to come to the aid of some of the like restaurateurs that basically were like, we strapped all of our resources and finances into providing um to providing food for all of these people and we're still in financial ruin. The relief came from the public, like the bleeding hearts of the public. There was never an official right there. So to um, see this person say like, oh, I'm, I've changed my ways and to have agencies facilitate this is um, a little bit mind-boggling, or not a little bit mind-boggling, a lot of bit mind-boggling. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this is probably my one of my favorite lines um, from this deep dive that Emmy did, which I heavily recommend you all reading, is, while some shops see his new business as an intriguing challenge, reputation management consultants chairman Eric Schiffer dubbed it a lotto ticket to potentially hell. <laughs> <laughs> he, he threw in the potentially in there because he's like, you know what? I'll give I'll give him a shot, but you know, potentially hell. Um, I, yeah, I think that it's also very telling that after he was released and within the time frame of him pitching this um, brand, which also he's calling Pirate P Y R T. Um, he, that's a, that's a whole other story. Yeah, like that's that another need. segment. That's another can of worms. Um, he has already lied, and people are calling him out on his lies. And not to mention his friend in there, who that he met in prison, who he didn't know was a registered sex offender, um, was involved in. He got him involved, and then apparent claimed that he lied about his crimes. And I'm like, really? Can't you just? do a quick Google search and find out like that this guy's a sex offender. So anyway, um, there's just so many, so much wrong here. And also he, um, told people on the full, a full sent the, the full send podcast he went on there and he told them that the Bahamas like were embracing the idea. They love the idea of him working there again. And actually I think 10 days before he said that, the Bahamas government was like, this guy is a fugitive. Right. He released an official statement saying that yes. this man is still very much a fugitive here. And so how are agencies coming, getting involved in this and and why? So I think that there's a few different reasons. Um, one is that... They want obvious the obvious choice of like all press is good press. Like they want to sort of make a name for themselves. A lot of these shops, you know, we don't have like WPP or Omnicom agencies involved. It's more independent, smaller advertising agencies. So and or it's branding agencies or there's an agency that specializes in like metaverse NFT activations. Um, it seems like these people think trust him for some reason and think that he's actually focused on restitution and it's something that he can do. And again, I just think that it's a buzzworthy decision and they um, have have comfort in the fact that he's not no longer manning the finances. Um, and I just think this guy is like super manipulative and really knows how to schmooze clearly but like he continues to know how and he's effectively created kind of like a sob story and a redemption arc that people are clinging on to 
So another favorite line of mine is um, the business is about showing people they can do what they didn't think was possible. McFarland told Adweek, positioning himself as a charmingly ambitious entrepreneur instead of a seasoned con artist. (laughs) (laughs) Like what? I was so proud of that line because like when he said it to me, um, when he was like, I trying to, again, position himself as like this inspirational guy who is just has these very like trite sayings. I was like, I don't understand. I don't know if you understand like the context of what you're saying. So I just had to reflect that in that sentence. Well, first of all, great job. <laughs> Second <Thank you. laughs> of all, can you tell us a little bit about talking to this person personally, um, talking to this person face to face or um, whatever mode? What was it like actually having a dialogue with this famous, famous fraudster? Well, my tactic when it comes to interviewing controversial people is to be like overly friendly. So, because I think that that allows them to tell, that makes them want to tell me more things. Like it's kind of like an Alex Cooper esque call her daddy strategy. So I um, met with him and we were just like kind of talking about like the fact that we're both from New Jersey, like bond, not bond. I don't want to say bonding. That's, <laughs> I d- don't, I don't want to be your canceled for era. saying I'm not in my bonding with Billy McFarland era. Like I just want to make that clear. Um, but he was very like visibly nervous, which was kind of like an ego boost. But at the same time, it was confusing because I was like, he's done all of these press interviews. I don't think that this one is special. Um, and then he was talking to me about his time in solitary confinement. He actually went to solitary confinement for trying to record a podcast from prison, which I just find especially funny. So... Well, we are certainly going to dig more into this um, for a little bit longer. But before that, let's take a bit of a break. Um, We'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. And we are back and we are um, continuing our conversation with Emmy Lederman and Colin Daniels. So, uh, Colin, I know that you have a little bit of a PR background um, or have had a lot of experience with PR. And, you know, there is no shortage of controversial people who try their damnedest to sort of make their way back into the good graces of the public. What is the key to, like, 
if you are an agency or you're a brand and you find yourself, um, you know, at a crossroads and you have an opportunity to, to link with these people who are high profile and could bring some serious attention uh, to your brand or your work, what would you say is the key to drawing a hard line when it comes to finding someone controversial versus like irredeemable and, and kind of untouchable? Well, I feel like the key to it, number one, is for if you're ever dealing with a client or somebody who's done something on this scale, is to not try to paint and act like it never happened because then people are like, what are you doing? Like, we all know, we all, like, the cost coming from inside the house, like, we all saw this. Yeah. So the key to doing it is, like, being like, hey, like, I know what I did was wrong, and I'm not, I don't want any sympathy or sorrow for it, but I do want to know that, like, I have learned, and it's all through actions at the end of the day. Like, people want to see, like, okay, well, what are you going to do to redeem it? So if you did that, like, people are going to be like, oh, is he going to be doing the charities? Is he going to be, like, volunteering, still doing here? Like, what are his... Well, how is he really going to show that he's sorry for it? So at the end of the day, like agencies, like if you're ever dealing with somebody on a scale that's done something like this, you want them to first ad- uh, admit that they were wrong and not try to be like, well, like I thought or I thought this would do this or like, no, just like flat out admit what you did, that it was wrong and like take full ownership over the dialogue. So do you feel like there is a point that th- there is like a potential turnaround point? Like there are certain things that are like absolutely inexcusable, irredeemable. You can't come back from it. Is there a way for a Billy McFarland, not necessarily the Billy McFarland, but for the one of many Billys that are trying to, allegedly trying to get back on the path of right? Do you feel like it's possible? I feel like it's definitely possible with anybody. Like, I don't believe in that we should just cancel everybody after they do one wrong. Like, I do believe that if somebody's continually doing it after you've told them or you've said, like, hey, like, that's not okay for you to scheme or do whatever, swipe or no swiping, like, after that, if they keep doing it, they need to just go. But if they're like, hey, like, I, um, now I know this is wrong and I want to show you all that I want to make this right or I want to justify myself again, that's when we can give them another chance. But if they keep repeatedly doing the wrong thing after we've told them, like, hey, don't do that, then that's when I'm like, get out. Yeah, especially when it has an impact on so many. There, there mm-hmm. has to be a, a point of restitution that's met before we can even begin to talk about any sort of arc or any sort of um, potential path forward. If you have people that are still devastated by your actions, your series of actions, like it's not even like this was like one thing. It was a collective of um, fuck up <laughs> that involved a lot of in- incredible mistakes that were so, so avoidable. And, you know, we there's no way for the public to forget about that because it was such a spectacle. Spectacle, that's not a word. Spectacle. Zesty. (laughs) (laughs) Such a spectacle. There are two documentaries about it. You can't really hide from this. And there's no way to shift the narrative that is already very set in um, the cultural zeitgeist. Um, but if you are <laughs> if you are able to show that there's that restitution point, then maybe you, you have um, an opportunity to. Um, I, I, one of the other concerns that I have is, you know, I, from an agency standpoint, I couldn't imagine, not that I can even pretend to know any business intimately other than one that I start myself, but it would be hard. I feel like it would be hard pressed for like a major holding company, like a WWP, as as Emmy mentioned, um, 
to <laughs> to get themselves in bed with something like this. But I imagine that there is some allure for a small agency just trying to get their name out um, to link with something that is going to guarantee bylines. Um, Emmy, do you see the allure for like a smaller agency trying to come up on the come up? Well, I kind of think that this whole, the whole idea of, of these agencies aligning with Billy McFarland kind of speaks to, I mean, he said this and I don't want to necessarily claim to agree with anything that he says, but it kind of makes sense where he's talking about how we're in like a content revolution of, um, the ways that brands and agencies and just corporate America in general, they want to shy away from this like very buttoned up structure that Gen Z and maybe younger millennials like loathe. And they want to take more risks. And I think that the some of these agencies are thinking, you know, the way that we're going to get people to – the way that we're going to express transparency and relatability is by doing something that like a – corporation or huge company like WPP would never dare to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that they have interesting and sort of in I think they have interesting and like thoughtful intentions behind it, but they're just taking it like too far. Cuz you know, the the whole the whole um concept of like the Duolingo owl being like super cheeky on TikTok, like it's mm-hmm. sort of like for me, it feels like the same font, but just way too far. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up, um, where what stage are we in in this development? Like, is this this is a relationship that I, I imagine is still moving forward? Yeah. What do you predict based on your many conversations around this? Um, well, he's still right now he's done a few different like scavenger hunt activations throughout New York City and he's just trying to like he's selling merch like I think he's just trying to generate buzz around it, but he claims that he um he's buying out a um hotel in the Bahamas and is going to send all these creators there sort of similar to what he said he was doing with Firefest. And but the difference is, I said in the story, I was like, he's really a man of philanthropy. He's inviting in the people that wouldn't have been able to afford to go to Firefest. So he through like virtual reality. Um, so that's the plan. Um, who knows if that's actually going to come to fruition? But I think it'll be very interesting to see. And I think that people. I mean. Honestly, I think that people will want to go to this because it's, like, such a huge meme. Like, I know that people who went to Firefest kind of wear it as a badge of honor in a way. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's be- going to become, like, the very notable because of just how outrageous it is. Colin, as a creator yourself, do you see any allure? Uh Babe, I am not going to the Bahamas for you to <laughs> scare me and eat grilled cheese. <laughs> like, you got the wrong one. You are not tart. I am not going to, like, it's not Dubai. No, absolutely not. <laughs> well, 
with, with that, best of luck, Billy McFarlane and anyone else um, involved. I do, again, I cannot stress this enough. Um, if you are able to hop on the internet right now, please read These Agencies Are Welcoming Firefest Fraudster Bill McFarland. Billy McFarland, Home from Prison. It is such a meaty, meaty, wonderful read. Emmy did such an incredible job with it. And um, you will absolutely not regret it. Um, Emmy, thank you so much for joining us and for being so candid per usual. I wouldn't expect anything less. Um, <laughs> and I don't I don't know. Do we invite her back? I, Colin, you, you can be loose for me today. Do we invite her back? I, You know what? I'd be curious. Like, I'm tantalized to have her back. <laughs> Colin, you know that you owe me for a variety of reasons not to get cryptic on this podcast. So are you are you about to say something negative? I would never. Not in, not in, not not in this uh, economy. I think that I think that in order to survive in this economy, we need to start staging fights on podcasts. So, oh lord, let me know how that works. Well, we will have an an well, as we say, we'll go off Slack, we'll go offline and talk about that and see what we come up with. Um, and I make the final decision. And this is already too much for me. So, thank you both, and thank you so much, Colin, for being a lovely guest co-host. Ba da ba ba ba. I'm loving it. Enough. <laughs> okay, so I know that we had just signed off and we had said our goodbyes and I was supposed to go home and you were supposed to click off and do other things. But listen, this is really important. This is actually our 300th episode, which is a wild thing to say. And I mean, for such an important milestone, it was really important to have a very, very special guest. And we scoured the earth trying to figure out who would be special enough to sit with me for our 300th episode. And we could not think of a better, more fitting person than my co-host, Luz Corona. <laughs> Luz! It's me, everybody. Oh, what a disappointment. <laughs> no! <laughs> Hello, my it's friend. Not. I missed you so I much. I miss you too. This feels great to be back on, even if it's just for like a moment in time. But um, thank you for holding down the Ford and 300. That is huge. Man, who who would have thought for the 300th episode it would be you and me sitting here? <laughs> not I. I did not. <laughs> but it's an honor. No. You are very much the most appropriate guest to have, and anyone who f- feels disappointed is a poopy head <laughs> to say the very least, at least in my professional yes, opinion. Yes, my four-year-old would agree. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just so good to have you back. I have missed you so much. Even, like, how many, do we know how many episodes you got under your belt before you had to step away from maternity leave it wasn't leave it wasn't no much. I, I missed you too and i'm not i'm not sure it's all a blur but it's all like a fun blur and <clears throat> i've been tuning into some of the episodes um this baby has got my hands full a little bit so i'm not you know but um yeah i don't know i, I just can't believe we made it to 300 but I mean, this is, is such a solid show, and I think, I hope that we've been doing a good job of, of keeping it up, us too. I don't know how they trusted us too, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> In my humble opinion, I think we've been doing very well, and I'm curious to know, like, 
what have you, is there anything that you've like learned about like just yourself and podcasting in general since I'm um, signing on? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, to even be on Adweek's like main podcast is, is such an honor. Um, and then just learning, you know, just the art of conversation. That's really what podcasting is all about, right? Like, it's not just, you know, mm-hmm. getting on and catching up with an old friend like you would on a phone call. It's just like really tuning in and, and getting to listen to marketers talk about the latest and greatest and just getting a, a peek into different parts of the industry that we're not usually exposed to. Yeah, definitely. I think there is a lot of intimidation that was sort of like baked into taking over the mantle. Like there's there's always like a little bit of nervousness that's imbued in something new, like entirely. And even though both of us definitely have prior podcasting experience, um, you know, this is obviously David Greiner and Tim Nutt's yep. baby. And there was um, an ethos and... Um, a community that they've cultivated through this. And it's very um, nerve wracking to basically inherent, inherent, Jesus, I am so tired. It's been a week. Um, Inherit someone else's like vision per se, like stepping into something that is already made. Um, Really? You, I think at first, I don't know if you felt this way, you could tell me, but you kind of feel I felt kind of like not cornered because nobody <laughs> cornered me, but like burdened almost. I don't know what the best word would be. I guess I felt the pressure of like carrying on this very specific legacy, even though I had been on the show for like a year yes. before it, you know, sort of switched over to me and then ultimately you. Um, but yeah, there's that pressure to sort of continue something that is that feels a little bit bigger than yourself. Did you feel that yes. at all? When 100%, especially yeah. since it was after Griner was leaving to take on his next role and who we miss like all the time. But <clears throat> when, mm. um, when you approached me and, you know, asked if I would consider taking over after Griner left, I said, are you sure? Um, because <laughs> that is David <laughs> Griner leaving our international editor. And then you got little old me, but yes, there's, there's an insane <laughs> amount of pressure, but you know what? I think, um, I think that we bring the passion and the interest and hopefully we ask the questions that our listeners want us to ask, you know, to our certain guests. Um, and I hope we're making Grinder proud. Um, I'm positive. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. I think that like, there's this big thing of like, when we, we were trying to figure out like who were, who was going to sort of take over. And I think what like ended up freeing me was when I was like, Griner, what am I going to do? And he was just like, whatever you want. <laughs> and it was that simple. It was just that yes. simple. So when you're like, like, what are, like, when you're like, well, what am I, what should I do? Like, it's literally our thing. Let's just do what yeah. we want. And so, and that takes, it takes a while to believe that. Cause like, you know, someone can tell you like, oh, don't worry. And then you're like, no, I'm going to worry. I'm going to worry for yep. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but now like it just feels like um it feels like a good marriage between like what everyone understands about yeah that's probably an ad and what it can be with two people two different people at the helm and now it just feels inherently ours and it's like 
just as we were getting to our groove, we were like, all right, well, got to go have this baby. Bye. Yeah, this so baby. It's, yeah, it's, it was like the day of the recording for the Uber Eats episode. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, contractions started happening and all that. And it's like, I got meetings later. I This is not the time for this right now. 12 days early? Come on. <laughs> but, no, that episode was really good that you did with Jay-Z. Um, so that oh, was enjoyable. Thank you. But, Shannon, I have a question for you, my friend, since we're kind of reminiscing. Sure. Um, you know, do you have like a favorite episode of, yeah, that's probably an ad in your time here? Oh, my gosh. Like, I've done so many of them now, and they just kind of like merge together. I I feel like the one that sticks with me, there's one episode that sticks with me, and then, no, okay. See, this oh. is going to be hard. There are two episodes that stick with me and then one segment that sticks with me. So I'm going to cheat and um, expand <laughs> my answer far beyond what you actually asked. Cheat. But <laughs> I'm going to cheat. The, the first um, episode that ended up being like my favorite was the McDonald's episode where we were going over the McDonald's um, famous meals. Yes. Just because it seemed like a meeting of the minds. That was myself, Griner, um, senior reporter Emmy Lederman, and uh, Jay-Z. And we were sort of going over the different meals that um, they had done. And that by that time, they had already, they had only done four. And the, just sort of trading off and talking about this, um, this very like specific thing with a level of expertise <laughs> that was kind of wild. Just an <laughs> analytical lens on the celebrity meals at McDonald's. Yeah, like it was just like just a very like nerdy thing to do, and it did and it did end up being like my absolute favorite. It was a really good balance between like just fun and chaos. Because that sparked um, a rivalry, a pickle-related rivalry between <laughs> Jay-Z and, like, like, the rest of the internet. And also, um, Emmy as the Gen Zer and um, Jay-Z as the Millennial. It was just a f- fun episode all around. And um, the second favorite episode, I think it was me, you, and Al, uh, when we were just talking about, like, nerdy marketing, yes. like, nerd culture yep. marketing. Um, just because it was a great expertise. Um, it was like another set of expertise. Like in terms of like the three of us, I think we're all pretty open um, about how much we're learning still, even still, even though we are very much experts in marketing, we're still learning a lot about right. marketing. Um, but like Al Manorino, our producer, shout out to Al, uh, is you know very much um, impassioned when it comes to nerd culture. And it's really cool to be able to talk to him um, at that level of expertise um, and imbue that in the episode. And so that's something that really stood out to me. And it also um, made me realize that there was a great chemistry here between like this little yeah. team of ours. And then my uh, favorite segment of all time was me and David Greiner got to try ice cream. <laughs> on the air it was the scoop there it is special edition amazing ice cream and we got to try that one on air and it was so like i didn't know that that was something that we could do and i was like oh we really can do whatever we want on this show and so that was my favorite episode i know that there's probably going to be some price even producer side we're gonna be like 
so not the Matthew McConaughey episode. I was going to ask you that. (laughs) And obviously that was a huge moment for Yevis probably an ad because we are not um, traditionally an interview show, as people know. Like we, it's very rare that we bring on outside guests. We try to really keep things in house. Um, And that was a thing where, you know, we did not seek out Matthew McConaughey. That was something that their people pitched us. And we were like, yeah, absolutely. Come on. (laughs) Of course. Um, and it was so, so cool. Um, and it was so celebratory afterwards to like do this thing that we had no idea was within our capability or wow. wheelhouse. Um, and it turned out so well. And of course, that's, that is a favorite. But I think in terms of like what really brings me back each time is being able to reconnect with my, my colleagues because I love yeah. them so much and they're just so smart and um, cool. And so those, I think, are my favorites, just a little bit beyond, like, the celebrity angle. Now, by all means, if you are an A-list celebrity and you want to come on, yeah, that's probably an ad. By all means. Red carpet. We will talk about whatever marketing th- things you, you want yes, to talk about. anything, anything, <laughs> anything. <laughs> we will make yep. this work. But, yeah, those, those are my favorites. What about you? Um, You know, I'd say... The one that I really nerded out on was the the episode we had with Ben, uh, the company Ben, um, and we talked about product placement and Stranger Things and just like what a role it plays now. And I think my biggest takeaway besides like finding out what really goes into and, you know, the difference between like branded content versus like, you know, just very organic content, kind of diving into that, but just discovering that there is a prop master on sets and I just still I would still love for that to be a future episode so I mean if you want it we can do it that's that is the beauty of kind of manning our own ship I I'm curious um now that we're kind of like talking about like future episodes we want to do um what do you like what is like something really out there that you want to like bring to the show we have this thing that we can mold into whatever we want um i'm I'm wondering what you're excited to do when you ultimately come back yeah i mean i think um right now it's an influencer's world right so i would love to talk to more influencers and just kind of get a behind the scenes there and um you know, and kind of educating marketers and brands on how best to work with influencers, just because from past experience, like, you know, when you're trying to fit this person to represent your brand into this mold that doesn't exactly fit their brand, it doesn't come off right. So, you know, I would I would just love to speak to influencers about their different experiences. And then um, Avi, A-list celebrities, anybody who needs some branding conversations, <laughs> we are here for you. Um, and yeah, I mean, the our industry is ever evolving, right? So there's going to be things this year that we can't even think of um, that's going to come up in the industry. So obviously, we always want to stay on top of that. Um, yeah, and that that's my ramble, more influencers and just whatever's coming next. What about you, Shannon? Yeah. I um, am really obsessed with with this idea of doing, like, a multi-sensory episode. I don't know, like, I'm sitting on how we can do that, but, like, how, like, everyone hears our very dulcet tones, and I'm sure that they are very comforted by our voices. But, like, what does, yeah, that's probably, what, what is, like, 
Uh, yeah, that's probably an ad episode in terms of smell. What does it taste like? What does it feel right. like? Something that can sort of bring just like another sense to the um, at-home listener. I am really into doing more like trying things out and on on the air. Like we had that ice cream episode, tasting the ice cream. We've, you know, had bourbon on the air with Matthew McGonaghy. So bummed I missed that. Um, which <laughs> that was, was something. Um, and like, what else can we do? What else can we try? Like, you know, like as like cannabis grows into a big thing, like there's, we're like on the cusp of, I think some real innovation in that space. Like, you know, can we safely and professionally try a product that is going to be <laughs> for consumers on the air? Yeah. Do we do taste tests? Yes. Can we so, send us wine, please? Just any gummies, anything. Or or what if we take this more experiential route, too? And, like, you know, what if we conduct our recordings from NASCAR? I don't know. Like, you uh, know. That would be inside a NASCAR. I would love to actually record an episode inside a NASCAR. Yes. And talk about NASCAR. So NASCAR hit us up. What one thing while we're asking for things, yeah. um, <laughs> cars, booze, we gummies, <laughs> cars, booze. I have been my white whale as of a product as a consumer is Arizona tea made a hard has made is making a or is making a hard version of the green tea. Wow. Like they have made it. Um, it is very much. I think it's very much available in Canada, but I am in the U.S. And I have expressed this across multiple episodes now, Arizona, <laughs> that I am a diehard fan of the brand and the brand's mission. I want, I want the Arizona tea folks on. Yeah, that's probably an ad to discuss strategy and like how they've been able to sort of keep their brand um, ethos intact, yes. like through like a ridiculous economic like swing because like again there's just a culture around arizona yeah. and i want to do so while sipping hard green tea <laughs> and i don't think that that is far beyond the realm of possibility yes. so uh, yeah a shameless ask <laughs> but... this could be you arizona but you're playing <laughs> we gotta do it or or enjoying these products in the settings that they're meant to be enjoyed so you know drinking like an arizona hard iced tea and I don't know. What is the most Arizona setting? I don't know. Your car on a road trip. Yes. Like, <laughs> Preferably not driving if you're drinking the, the hard version of it, but right. <laughs> pass right. Or I don't know. <laughs> yes. All right. We got a lot of work to do, Shannon. We, we're popping with we, ideas. <laughs> we are. We're giving a lot of these away for free. Do <laughs> these are these are Luz and Shannon originals. <laughs> That can that are you can only find on yeah that's probably an ad part of the Ad Week podcast network, and yeah I'm just really excited about the future and being able to sort of shape this thing however we want to and I think that that's really the important takeaway is that like if you're going into something that's an institution like yeah that's probably an ad even in its 300th episode like once something is yours it's yours and like you should not feel 
like you are underqualified to handle a thing. Like that's especially like it's significant that, you know, it's two women of color manning this thing and really doing things how we want to do them. That's really big. And I'm so happy that I just get to do this with you. I wouldn't, I could not imagine this with anyone else. Right back at you, friend. Thank you. (laughs) Of course. So I'm really excited for what is to come. And maybe our producer, Al Manorito, will stick around. We don't know. Yeah. We maybe we'll, maybe we'll keep him. He's been doing pretty yeah, well. Yeah, he's doing all right. He's he's really just <laughs> taking this by storm. Uh, well, Al, if you can make a NASCAR recording happen, then you know, then you really want our hearts. <laughs> Job secure at <laughs> That is what <laughs> we'll really vouch for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I I I really don't know what else to say. This is just a big um moment for us and for I think Abby podcast in general, like. Um, you know, just thank you. And thank you, you know, people at home. Like, I don't, uh, I know that Luz hasn't had really an opportunity to, like, wander out into the world um, post uh, (laughs) YTPAA fame. Like, she started when she was, like, on the cusp of maternity leave. But um, when I go out into the world and do, and, you know, speak to the communities and, um, do all the stuff there's so much amazing feedback that comes back about the show how, how it's a necessary habit for um people who are interested in marketing not just like marketers but people who are really looking into this industry in general and that makes me feel incredibly proud and honored to be a part of this thing because you really don't realize how much of an impact it has um outside of your home because we record from our homes yeah. We, you know, just it's really hard to gauge the scope of something when you're um, remote, but it really does have um, a, a huge impact on our industry. And the fact that we get to sort of be these experts um, in this field and sort of help the industry learn things that we that's not um, something that we take lightly. We take that as a huge responsibility. Yeah. And um, that is not possible without the listenership, the loyal listenership of um, you all. So, just a huge thank you to you all. We're gonna we're gonna bring some cool stuff. Yes, yeah, to you because it's what you deserve. <laughs> and if anyone has any ideas, we want to hear from our readers and listeners. You know, like. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? If you're interested in anything, and if you really want us to record from NASCAR, I mean, it doesn't matter. We're gonna do it anyway. But um, you know, <laughs> but yes, I I second everything you said, Shannon. It's a it's an honor to run the show with you. Aw, thanks. Yes, please send your suggestions to podcast at adweek dot com. That is podcast at adweek dot com. Make sure to um, send that over. Say hi. Let us know what your favorite episodes are and what we can do more of. And, um, yeah, this has just been a wild ride. Happy 300th. Happy 300th to you, Luz, and to you at home. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. 
Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening.